Welcome back to the More Love podcast with Helen Reynolds. Today I have the lovely pleasure of speaking with Elle Alma. She is the author of a little book, it's a very beautiful little book, called Becoming Soul, Seven Steps to Heaven. And it's a fictional story that really captures a lot of the difficulties we all experience at some point or another as we journey into the heart of who we really are. So, El Almar, thank you for joining me today. That's fine. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a lovely pleasure. You've been of service in your life um, as a counsellor for a long time. You've had a big family. You've cared for lots of people. And um, you have a, a, you know, a deep well of care and kindness to share with the world. So it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the More Love podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things that you said to me as we prepared for this interview is that you believed in telling your story to people, other people realise that they can share their story and often in the sharing of the story they find deeper connections, I guess, to their heart mm-hmm. and to who they really are, which I thought was a really beautiful thing. Yeah. After I'd read your book and, and um, you know, your book is about a, a journey, a life journey to connect with our soul through the various trials and tribulations of life. Um, I always think that we can only come to our soul via our heart. You know, our heart is the connecting place to me in my point Mm -hmm. of view. Um, Mm -hmm. And we need to rest the mind and allow the mind to receive our heart's connection to our soul. And I just wondered, what are your thoughts on this? Would you, would you talk with us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, I've come to learn and, and uh, that the heart is the first receiver of our feelings and uh, before the feelings actually become thoughts and that goes true to the brain then. Um, but the, the initial, when you hear something, you can feel something in your chest that, that stirs you, uh, upsets you, whatever, and then that thought will... Uh, then display itself in the, in the mind, and then then we will use our uh, what we've grown up with, our, our beliefs, our values, our family culture, our social environment, and we'll make all sorts of um, judgments about that thought. But in reality, the heart holds the first feeling that comes to you, and um, all our if we if we can stop five seconds before it gets to the brain you will feel that feeling uh, as it is and we we all have those feelings um but somehow it gets into the mind quicker and we start processing it through through filters and um we can get cut off then from our heart um and and what we really felt at first um so in counselling, uh, engaging the heart is, is is the most crucial part for the client because we we tend to stay in our minds throughout our daily lives, and um, as you mentioned, you, you go into a turn down the mind a little bit and go perhaps into a meditative state and connect back into the heart, and that's when it all comes up. And, and counselling starts there. We we 
um, start talking and bringing that all, all the judgments and criticisms and everything that you feel um, about a certain feeling, um, we bring it back down into the heart and um, the client then can feel, um, start to feel what the feeling was and the tears might come and the, the anger will go and then, then you, you've reached a feeling and then you can find compassion and empathy and, um, and the love for yourself because you beat yourself up so much. And then once you start loving yourself, it's easier to love others. Wow, I couldn't agree with you more. The way you have so beautifully said that with such clarity, and it's so true. We our heart gets that instantaneous knowing, or mm-hmm. and often yeah. our heart knows before we can even see. I remember once my my child was um, grieving. Uh, for the loss of um, a person that we knew, and um, he'd sit in the in the back. He was only five or six, and you could see the grieving. And I I said, "Where is it? Where's the pain?" And he pointed straight to his chest, and that's the heart. And that's why I said, "Well, that's the heart that tells you how much you love and how much you loved this person." And that was a, such a typical example of um, it, it, he was so simplistic. It wasn't a thought. He didn't process it in his mind. He just told me directly where the pain was. Mm. Yeah, to me, we grow up into our logical minds, so-called logical minds, you know, by way of our education system and the ways society is structured around this concept of the logical mind mm-hmm. um, but when when we're little and when we're much much older we are from and in the heart space yes it, it's a shock when you grow up and you, you leave home and um, you know you've been cared for or protected or nurtured you go out into the world and all of a sudden you've got to process this stuff on your own um, what what does it mean to love? What does it mean to fall in love? What does it mean um, when you're so much in your head you can't feel that? And uh, this is this is this is the the absolute crux of all relationships, whether they're um, you know partnerships or uh, family or colleagues at work. It, it's all the same. It's just the um, relationships you put it under. The title relationships, and that's what happens. You've got to get out of your head and get into your heart. <laughs> mm, because our heart is always in relationship to everything. Yes, yes. Mm. But we, but you know, we do have to have a logical mind. We do have to, you know, make a living, and we do have to, you know, educate our children. And we, um, it's all there. It's it's the ability to uh, be aware that mm. that's. Um, there's the two things happening at once. Mm, absolutely, we can't have one without the other. It's not. It's no. unfunctional. Mm-hmm. Is that even a word? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So you talked about your counselling and and um, how you've helped people come into their heart space to find compassion and loving acceptance for you know I'm sure a huge variety of situations. Is that how you always counselled? Yes, I guess you don't study it like that. It's very theoretical what you study when you counsel. And then you start talking the language of the client uh, and that you, you come out of that um, theoretical mindset, if you like, and you start talking with the client and you uh, put it more into um, sensitive terms, if you like. Yeah. What, what kind of terms? Sensitive, more sensitive yeah. approach. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I feel like this understanding of the heart space is, uh, it's very hard to fit into a theory and therefore very, um, I don't want to use the word absent, but I can't think of a better word, um, Mm -hmm. in academia. Uh, I don't know, could you? (laughs) Well, well, I mean, let's face it, it, academia is theoretical and... um, you you study under a certain discipline and uh, you learn the theories and you learn the theories of other people that they've and, and it's up to you how to apply that when you walk out the door mm. and uh, that that means that how you can get your information um, back into your heart if you like and what does that really mean and um, to be able to connect with a person, you're not going to connect with a um, an object, if you like. You can't remain objective when you have people coming through the door that are crying or that are angry or that are, you know, um, you you have to become subjective in your approach. So it, it's a it's a real learning between the two for for the counsellor themselves. So another thing that you talked about you know, we just talked about earlier was that, you know, we grow up, we leave home and we come into this so-called logical world where we have to make, you know, decisions about getting, well, we've probably got a good education while we've been at home and then we've got to get a good job and, you know, the standard is find some good investments, buy a house and somewhere in between all of that actually marry for love. You know, I find that, I find the sort of standard process for life somewhat ironic in that, it's all meant to be logical, but somewhere in the middle we're meant to find true love and, and marry. And um, Anyway, that's my little the funny thing about yeah. life. Um, that, 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 that's when the complications start. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, when you, that's when you're trying to run the two things together. Yeah. And uh, that, that is so difficult to ask anyone in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Have you found over the years as you've worked with many people, that it takes great suffering before we're willing to admit that the mind doesn't have all the answers? Yes. I, um, the suffering can be, um, you know, loss, great loss from death or injury or what. But the, the loss of um, jobs, the loss of pets, the loss of um, friendship, um they're all losses. There's many forms of losses, and none of us are exempt. We're going to all have loss in our lives in in some way, some more than others. 
Um, and, you know, when you come out of a relationship, there's massive loss um, and, and a divorce. It, it tends to change you uh, completely. Um, and it's a matter of whether you're going to be able to survive um, the changes, whether you're going to get bitter or angry or or you're going to, um, and it takes a long time to come through the grieving, um, or you're going to survive it somehow. And that, that's where the um, we meet people in counselling. Um, they're usually, either they're trying to make decisions or they're trying to, or they've made a decision and they're not coping or, um, and, and the massive complications that come through Perhaps I'm just talking about a relationship breaker. Um, I mean, there's grief, there's other things that uh, cause massive loss as well and massive suffering. And, you know, it's going to be up to the client whether they can walk the survival um, with the counsellor using different techniques and strategies. And, and it's all pretty much in the mind and bringing it to the heart a better understanding and empathy perhaps for this um, whatever issue that has brought you the pain um, whether it's an injury or sickness and 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 it's it's finding the compassion for yourself going through it and perhaps compassion for others that have may have hurt you um, they're, they're very it's a very difficult stage and some will give up and walk away and some will continue on um, and but this is where I've probably found um, that counselling, the, the techniques, that it comes to an end there. We seem to get to survival um, out of the seven steps that I talk about to heaven. Um, the, you know, the silence, the hope and the, and the suffering and the loss and the survival. And that all can come into whatever issue that, that you, you are suffering through and that seems to be where counselling seems to stop if you like and um, and and you can only go as far as, as the, the person um, wants to go but um, the counselling is doesn't necessarily um, teach the mind that we don't have the answer we encourage the, the, the clients to basically create their own answers through training them, the mind to change their thoughts. And um, that's what counselling's about. It's, it's, there's different, mind you, there's different types of counselling. I mean, there's, um, you know, the cognitive behaviour, which is basically what I'm talking about at the moment, which I used. But there's a lot of other different um, um, types of counselling um, and we, I worked with the mind and I, but I could see people knew that there was more and uh, I knew inside of me I've always had a spiritual connection um, that there was more that we could go further um, so I guess it comes to then whether the person wants to go that far, whether they want to start questioning the the, um, the story of the life, <laughs> where do we come from, uh, why are we here, 
and what's our purpose. Um, that tends to come probably once the survival is a little bit more integrated into their life. They've learned how to get through it. Um, and then they sort of tend to ask questions after the survival and they can see how much their lives have changed. And, and you do start asking questions around that time. And um, I did, that's where I, as a counsellor, that's what happened to me. I got to the point where uh, my daughter got sick with cancer and um, I had to question War of Life, what was life about. There was a lot of suffering there. And um, just, and being a counsellor and using all the different techniques that I knew um, to walk through uh, surviving a, um, a hardship um, and not knowing where we we're going and not being able to have control of the final outcome. Of course, we all didn't want it to happen, but uh, so you, you, you find you're out of control of what is going to happen. You do the best you can, you stay positive and, and um, it, it comes back then to, um, that's when the, the heart kicks in. You said it tends to get out of the mind and the heart kicks in and you've got all the emotions coming then. And then it, it comes towards the, um, the end of it. And um, you start wondering, well, what, what is life about? Why are we here? Um, who are we? Why are we here? And what's our purpose? And death will do that for you uh, when, when you're facing that, especially with your own child. Um, so I guess the, um, that's when the, the sixth and seventh steps that I talk about uh, start kicking in um, because you start believing there's got to be more to this. And um, I, was, I was so convinced that there was, there has to be because uh, it didn't make sense. <laughs> it wasn't logical to me that, like every every other creature on earth, has a purpose. All the insects and all the birds, and the, and you can see the trees have the purpose, and the oceans and the fish, everything. Um, so we must have a purpose, and this is where I got to, and I was able to move from the um, the survival into the believing that okay, there's got to be a reason. And I remember saying to my daughter throughout that uh, long period of, of suffering and uh, I remember saying to her, I said, you're more than this cancer. Mm. Like it was, it was enveloping her body. But I could, I was connecting to her mm. in a totally different way and I said, there's more than this in life. You're more than your cancer. You're, you are your consciousness. And, and that's when um, you, you know, then you've got your mind, then you've got your heart, and then you, there's something called a consciousness. But, but her mind was still clear; she could she could function. And I said that will go on, and I believed that. And that's the believe step. You start realizing that we are just not our bodies, and that's when you realize your consciousness is connected to the to something, and these are the next questions that you start questioning, um, 
it's, 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 I call it the divine. You're connected to the divine source. Um, and then that's why uh, I call it the soul. People, we, we, we know that that part, we've been trained, that's what it's called. It's called the soul uh, that's connected to the divine. And um, that's the story of becoming soul. So you step through the last two steps. And when you get to the end of it, um, you know that you've reached a, um, a boundary and you're going to go over this boundary. And because um, the daughter, my daughter left and I was left alone and um, but our consciousnesses were connected and um, so that's the soul. That's when you become, and that's heaven. That's another word that we've learnt through our culture. That's what you call this place where we go. Um, so she left and I stayed, but we remain connected. Our consciousnesses remain connected, and I can still connect with her to this day, and um, and know that. She's there, and she obviously feels my connection because there's a response. Yeah. So, so beautiful. And the way you can speak about this so eloquently and so, for want of a better word, logically. You know, well, it sounds logical to me. Yes, 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 and it resonated. Mm. To me, the the way I I think of it is that our heart has a direct communication between our so called perceived, you know, solid physical reality that we're walking, talking in. Yeah, and and our soul. It's sort of the the gateway, if you will. Um, and it send you know it sends information to the brain about I guess whether we're in alignment with our soul or not. And uh, now I have completely forgotten what I was going to say <laughs> next. <laughs> um, well, it's it's basically what we know is that the soul is the love. Hmm. The soul is love. Yes, pure positive love energy, beautiful. Yeah, and the divine is love. Mm. And when you connect through your heart and you you are prepared to step to the next believing that, that, that we're more, and then the next step is the connection between the mind, the heart, and the, and the soul that, that manifests as love. Mm. The heart has the, the depth of love. Mm. that we connect to and we connect to each other through the heart mm. and then when you get to the end of questioning it all your your soul is the love that you share mm. that never disappears mm. it was the love of my child it was the love that we shared together through the walk and we can say you know she became soul but she she is love she's gone to the the divine source that is love, that is pure love. Mm-hmm. And that's our journey and that's why we're here. And that, like so so we come as a soul, I mm-hmm. believe we we have to remember 
that we're our soul. Mm. And this is what you're talking about. This is the journey when you start um, teasing it all out between the mind and the heart and, mm. and the, the love, the unconditional love of mm. the soul. And it, um, mm-hmm. it, it's our, uh, To me, our soul is a direct extension of the divine. Yes. You know, it's, there's no broken, there's nothing broken no. about that line or lineage shall we say it's a direct extension Uh therefore it's pure positive love energy absolutely Uh divinely beautiful yeah and And that continues Mm. Mm. yes it does it never infinitely and and, and eternally Mm and And me being left here and she over there um it didn't disconnect no no Mm. and never will and never will so I can live in my soul here. So I, I believe I've gone from my mind to the heart to the soul. And once that's open, it does not go back. You, you can't unknow that. <sighs> well said. <Yeah>. Well said. <laughs> and I think, we, you know, the, to me, the reason the mind can't access the soul directly without the heart is because the soul is oh. eternal. It's infinite. It's so multifaceted and so boundless Mm -hmm. that the mind can't grasp that um that's probably not the most um delightful way to say that but it's it's too multifaceted multi-dimensional can't think of a better word but yeah too big it has to be interpreted through the heart because it's energy yeah 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 Wow, what a conversation. This is magnificent. <laughs> yeah, I guess the the relationship that you have with your daughter now, you know, she, she is in her perfect soul state and yeah. no longer in a physical state. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what a beautiful relationship to have. And has that changed your other relationships uh, with people who are still in their physical state or still, in, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I do. People are still here with me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, very much so. It, it, um, when you've got a connection like that, I mean, I refer to her a lot and because I uh, am raising her children. Uh, it, it connects all of us. And we have moved into a different state of, of being with her, if you like. It's taken time. It's seven years now. And it's becoming easier to um, uh, resonate now with with her being not here physically. And um, so it tended to change us all, yes. And therefore you relate at a, at a, at a different level. The, the, the way you used to relate, her is no longer and you relate to her as well if you like now the the, the fighting and the bickering and <laughs> everything that you used to do here on earth you know <laughs> that that sort of doesn't exist and it, it existed for you know a good 12 months 18 months after it you'd still you know oh yes but she said and or she said and, but it it's the it's different now taken a uh, totally different um, 
she's taken on a whole totally different persona of love and there's none of that anymore. So you start living like life like that. You don't go out looking for that. You can't be with that. You can't um, be aggravated by cranky people or, you know, sit too long in an argument store. It's just not, it just doesn't sit well with you anymore when, you, when you're connected to that. Mm. Yeah. It is like that. You start to live by feeling, I guess, or by, you know, yeah. if, if, yeah. if you come into a situation where you walk into a cafe and for whatever reason it just doesn't feel right, it, doesn't, it feels like maybe there was a ginormous argument in there before or the mm-hmm. staff in the kitchen mm-hmm. are arguing or uh, who knows, mm-hmm. who knows what it is. Yep. It could be anything but it just doesn't feel right. So you feel when you live from that heart space, you feel perfectly comfortable and justified in walking out without needing to know what it is that caused you to feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Because you absorb, you absorb other people's feelings mm. and emotions and energies. Mm. Whether, you, whether you think you are, yet, but you do. <laughs> it's like even just turning on the news, yes. it, it affects you. Yes. It affects. And you've got to walk away and say, is this mine? You know? And um, if it is, it's igniting something in you, then it's a good time to go into your heart and find out what that is. Um, why are you responding like this? What what triggered you? So, or you can just get angry and, you know, vent <laughs> all over people. <laughs> <laughs> and that only makes the, the untruth, I guess, of it even stronger. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and once you get... Okay. Y- y- well, I just wanted to, to double back a little bit to when you were talking mm-hmm. about um, your experience as a counsellor and the many times when people came to that in that period of great suffering. You, mm-hmm. you talked about people can either find the survival and and keep going, decide that they're going mm-hmm. to survive this, or they don't. And yeah. um, I think of... the. I, I find people who decide that they're not going to survive, um, and uh, to me, we're not necessarily talking about life or death survival. We're talking about emotional survival. Yep. That's right. That's right. Um, they become hard-hearted. They protect their hearts. You know, they become hard-hearted. Yeah. No longer opening their hearts to their feelings. Mm. That it's a closure of the heart in a protect measure um, that has incredible consequences. But I was just wondering if you would talk with us about how you found that to be and and in your words. How it was in me or how it was in clients? In in the people you worked with because I can very much tell your heart is not hard. (laughs) It's very beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yes. Um, there were many that came in and um, you'd go so far and it, it's spooky for them to get into their heart. It can be overwhelming for them to open and touch a feeling because if it's been locked in there a long time and they have not touched it, it's going to have the same impact that it initially had on them. And it's And they know that. Because every time they get to go there, they they feel like they're they're so overwhelmed and they're so uh, they could get out of control if you you um, 
and that's their fears. It's it's a fear based thing, and um, so you you guide people very gently towards their heart, and you encourage them that it's not happening now, and you you have the um, the mindset and the strength and the ability and the intention to be able to open this now. Um, so, you know, you, you've got to tread very carefully with them at this point. Um, and some just, no way, you know, they can get up and walk out of your room, out of the room if, if you're poking too hard. Um, and you just have to acknowledge that. Um, and yet others can come in and trust you. And this is what a relationship, the counselling relationship is about. It's all about trust. And you have to build up that trust and you have to trust the counsellor to even be able to feel comfortable or open uh, in front of them, and uh, it's not it's not easy. <laughs> and um, all of them, and I, you know, I give them uh, a great big, um, you know, wide expanse of being able to feel safe, and, um, and then when they do open, it can come out, and it can come out. Hard, and I've always maintained you never send anybody out of your room. You know, if you're undone, then <laughs> you have to do them up yes, pretty yes. well before they walk out yes. because it's going to be out everywhere, you know. So, um, and people can get to that trusting. And, you know, I have had beautiful clients that will, that have trusted me and that have gone the next step and gone the next step. And, and um, so yeah, it's it's um it's it's all about relationships again, and the people that walk out of your office, you just you know um, they don't want to, they don't want to trust, they don't trust themselves in a sense. Yes, to be able to cope with it. Yeah. Yes, and I think it's a good moment to remember too that we all have free will to choose. Yeah how we open or close our heart and that we can't get life wrong and that there isn't a right way and a wrong way. There's just a series of different ways that lead to different life experiences. And the difference is vast, but we have free will. We get to choose. So, um, And everyone's life value is equal. It's it's not like as an open-hearted person we're more valuable than someone who is in a different state. Um, yes. And that's that's both I, I, challenging I think, and beautiful. Yeah. I think this is in writing the story. Um, other people, if they see someone, okay, that, that is willing to open up and share, that they may be able to open up and share. Um, they... they the people tend to uh, gauge um, their own capabilities if they see someone else um, trying the same thing. And um, that's why it's important to, to tell your stories and um, they feel confident that, okay, someone got through it, well, maybe I can get through it. So, yeah. And our hearts always know whether we can trust someone or not. Yes. And that comes back to their their upbringing and what they've experienced and 
uh, there's certain times where you, you know you just shut down because it's been too hard and it's been too hurtful and you know abuse people have abuse issues you know that have been um, abused and it's just extreme to have to open that. Mm. Well, we've talked our way into a little wormhole. Um, <laughs> let's talk our way out of that. And, okay. um, but it was a very beautiful conversation. Thank you. Uh, but we're not going to stop now. I wondered if you could go back in time, you know, uh, just uh, I didn't say it during the introduction for the listeners, you know, you're semi-retired now. You've written a book, you've got more on the way, you've got this incredible depth of life experience to uh, ponder life from now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could go back in time, what words of encouragement or, or advice would you offer yourself, your former self, um, the self that you were before you felt like you were connected to your soul? What, what yeah. words of advice would you give that version of yourself? Okay. Well, I, I was a I was a um, a silent person in a way. Um, I could retreat into myself, and, and <laughs> my family would know this. But you know, like just issues would come up, and um, I would probably just get up and leave the room quietly and go away. And oh, Mum's left, you know. Um, so I had a way of protecting myself. Um, just basically from my own retaliations of, um, you know, judgments of other people and uh, criticisms and um, abandonment issues and, you know, physical and verbal abuse. So in a sense, I, I although I was outgoing and I was a counsellor uh, and I had handled a lot of my own issues through the... Um, the journey through uh, becoming a counsellor. Um, but there were parts that I would just, and, and I didn't want to have a feeling about, which was um, those issues that I just said. Um, and I used to go off into a quiet little space. I knew they were all there, and I'd take myself out into this quiet space. It, it was a blessing in a way. And it just stopped me from having the retaliation, if you like, of wanting to hit back. I don't believe in hitting back. And um, so I would say to that person that, that, that you know, you didn't have to do that. Um, you, you're, um, your voice matters now. You're able to speak that without the hurt, without the pain. Uh, without the fear of you may retaliate. Um, and my perspective on life matters. Um, I didn't think that way back then. Uh, it was just my perspective. But it matters. And, and my love matters. And I learnt all that through walking the seven steps with my daughter because we did the whole seven steps together, if you like. And um, you can see that mingled throughout the book um, that the, there's a lot of counselling strategies and techniques within the book that, that are in story form and um, we had a great array of um, those to use throughout the time knowing full well that 
positivity throughout that time was going to help more than bringing up um, issues. And we'd, we'd handle a lot of issues together uh, and, and get through them quickly and find solutions to them, um, knowing full well that affects the body, uh, especially in a cancer state. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that um, I'd say that my love that I found for my daughter and for life and meeting unconditional love for your soul. Um, my love matters now and I can speak about that. And um, where I've been silent for many years, I, I can now, uh, would tell myself that's okay to be that at this stage in my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well... This has been a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Thank you so very much, El Alma. It's my pleasure, Helen. And just a reminder for the listeners, your lovely little blue book. It's the I call it a blue book because the cover has this lovely photo of blue steps and, and oh, these beautiful um, mostly pink and orange and yellow pot plants. They're the earthly steps. I could have put a heavenly steps going up, but they're the earthly steps we all have to walk. Oh. And I, I just see so many women walking up there with babies and bags of groceries and animals, and that's our earthly steps to get to the soul. Yeah. And we all walk them. <laughs> wow. And mm-hmm. on the picture of the book, at the top of the stairs is a doorway, and behind the doorway it looks like there's a rug hanging. That must be our magic mm-hmm. carpet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> our soul is just like a magic carpet. Yep, takes us away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always did wonder why you picked that picture. Anyhow, it's very yeah. beautiful, and the book is titled <laughs> Becoming Soul, Seven Steps to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful, open-hearted conversation. I'm sure. Oh, my pleasure. I'm sure we could talk for longer, but I, I find that um, a podcast has to end somewhere. <laughs> good, good place to finish. <laughs> um, do let me know when your next book is ready. I'm sure we can talk some more. And I will. Um, just immense gratitude for sharing so much open-heartedness and beauty and truth and divine understanding with the More Love podcast listeners. Thank you, Alma. Thank you, Helen. God bless.